views expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Well, greetings one and all. This is the place you've tuned in to Take 12 Recovery Radio. The topic this week is government enabling addiction. Anthony is here. Hello. Denver's here. Hello. And Roger from Southern California is on the phone. One and all to another fine episode of the world's original recovery talk and positive music radio program and podcast broadcast coming to you from the outskirts of beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon, where it is always gorgeous up here. (laughs) Unless you're Denver who hates the rain. And... And the allergies right now. Or, and the allergies. The allergies are bad. I'm not Telling a big fan you. of the rain either. Yeah. So there's Anthony on YouTube, and there's Denver there. And Roger's on the phone. Roger McDermott's on the phone from Southern California, uh, Huntington Beach. But he's not in Huntington Beach right now. Where are you, Roger? I am in Scottsdale, Arizona. Where the temperature is? It's going to be 115 today. Oh, but don't wonderful. You know it's dry. wonderful. Yeah, Denver's just like licking his chops. He's going, I want to be there. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness sakes. Well, listen, what are you doing in Arizona, Roger? Oh, I'm working here all week. I yeah. came over last night from Southern Cal. From, from, for your job, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, before we start get started on the show, I want to make an announcement. Listen, uh, this next Monday, the following Monday, uh, June 21st, on Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today with Certified Alcohol and Drug Counselor Level 2, Mr. Dave Fleming, on, uh, on that show here at Take 12 Recovery Radio, we are going to be conducting an Ask It Basket. So it's going to be the Ask It Basket show, but we need your questions before then so if you will email them to us at take 12 radio that's t-a-k-e the number 12 radio at comcast.net or you can post them on our facebook page which is simply facebook.com forward slash take 12 radio uh, please any there, there's nothing off limits 
doesn't mean we'll answer anything, but uh, we will consider all questions uh, that are associated with any topics of recovery. Uh, send them in to us, uh, please, before uh, Sunday, next Sunday. And uh, we will do our best, Dave and I, to answer your questions. The Ask a Basket Show on Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life today. Okay, there's that announcement there. And uh, so zippity doo dah, zippity a. Stop right there! Uh oh. Because it's time for the Monty Man's Weekly Wine, where he whippers and whines and complains mm-hmm. about things he has no power over. <laughs> it's all right. You're safe now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, this is definitely something I don't have any power over, but I feel very strongly about. I got to tell you, I'm I'm really getting fed up with some of these preachers that are just uh, preaching the garbage that they're preaching. This Christless gospel, um, and, and and as a born again believer, I got to tell you, I, I I really believe that we need need to be very very aware of the false prophets and false teachers that are out there. The Bible is very clear that this is going to happen in the last days. Uh, and so I, I, I'm not surprised at all, but one such person, and I have no problem throwing these people under the bus. Some people even know that I, I had a website at one time called escape the lie, uh, where we talked about the whole new apostolic reformation and the Bethel movement and, uh, all the garbage that's going on there. Well, serial scripture twister and rank heretic, Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, is no stranger to clownish gimmicks that mock Christ and reflect a spirit of sedition against the commandments of God. I want you to hear this sound clip. Um, it's it's just, it's beyond me. Check this out. When God said, I am to Moses, you know, my name is I am. He was trying to get him to see you are as I am. You are as I am, equal to God. Now, he goes on to say this. It's always been in you. And there's nobody that can leave my life that can keep God from keeping his covenant with me. I'm not in covenant with a person. I'm not in covenant with a political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Evidently, he thinks that he's God Almighty. I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. Now, when I watch the clip, he's beating his chest, proclaiming that he is God Almighty. Really? And um, I'm throwing this in there because I'm taking a stand, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm up to my neck in... But, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Should we be surprised, Roger? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm never surprised at what's going on in this world today. I, I just, what do you think, Anthony? That, wow. that That's pretty profound, or that's a, that's quite the statement to say, I am God Almighty. Uh, but, I mean, <sighs> it, it, this is all biblical, yeah. I mean, 
you know I, there, there's gonna be these things are gonna happen these people are gonna are. do these things and and you know even though we know what the scripture sh- says we're still like oh, we're we're shocked but it you know the, yeah. scri- the scripture is the truth right so, right I, I yeah wow I that was there 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 there's also uh and this guy is a big proclaimer of the passion bible which is written by one man who adds literally paragraph after paragraph to single scripture verses and says says that he met an angel named passion who told him that god wants him to rewrite the bible yeah boy and people are buying this garbage i'm just like christians but are they really I don't know, brother. I mean, that's <laughs> wow. We know it. We know it's coming. It's hard yeah. not to get angry about it. I just, yeah. But we need to take a well, seat and, and just realize. And I and the thing that really gets my gets me going about this when it comes to recovery is there are people within the recovery community that are searching for a legitimate relationship with the Creator, and they'll listen to anything because they're so hungry mm-hmm. and, and they end up listening to this stuff that, that actually moves them away from the truth and not to the truth. And that, I mean, if the ultimate goal for recovery is abstinence, that would be one thing, but that is not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is to help people develop a relationship with God to help them solve their problem. The world is ripe right now, any way you look at it. For good, evil, it's ripe. It's looking, like you said, people are looking for something. Yeah. Okay, I got that out of my system. We'll be back uh, right after this. Don't go away, friends. Prescription drug abuse is a major health epidemic in the U.S. Some 50 Americans die each day from prescription painkiller overdoses. Overdose deaths involving prescription painkillers have quadrupled to 16,000 since 1999 and now outnumber those from heroin and cocaine combined. As prescription drug abuse has increased, so has the need for treatment. But only one in 10 Americans with a substance abuse disorder receives treatment. Drug overdose deaths, the majority of which are related to prescription drugs, are now the number one cause of injury death in the U.S., surpassing car accidents. To receive help from a variety of recovery resources, visit our website at take12radio.com and click on the Recovery Resource banner. Hey, it's the Monty Man, and did you know we have much more for you than just this show you're listening to right now? Here's our lineup. The first and second Monday of the month, it's the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show with my co-host and all topics recovery. The third Monday of the month, it's entitled to overcome with myself and CADC Level 2, Mr. Dave Fleming, exploring solutions for life today. The fourth Monday of the month, it's the Rob Kelly Hour. Join myself and the world's addiction doctor for a no-nonsense approach to recovery. And when there's a fifth Monday in the month, we'll bring you a special guest or share with you broadcasts from the best of Take 12 Recovery Radio that we have stored in almost 17 years of archives. 
Each Wednesday, it's the short Monty Man's Recovery Meditorial, provided by the National Association for Christian Recovery. And on Saturday, it's Radio Rehab's The Road to Redemption, 30 minutes of recovery-focused music and commentary hosted by multi-Dove Award winner, Mr. Brian Duncan. Recovery workshops, recovery music sets, and recovery resources, all available at Take12Radio.com and on all major podcasting platforms. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio. All of this broadcasting worldwide from our studio at KHLT Recovery Broadcasting in Albany, Oregon. And now, back to this week's show. All right, welcome back to the show. You know, every time I hear um, a patriotic song like that, I get goosebumps. I just do. Every time I do, every time uh, we do the Pledge of Allegiance at a ball game or at some other event or, or whatever during a parade, I get goosebumps. I mean, I love this country dearly. Um, but there's some stuff going on when it comes to uh, the world of addiction uh, that is uh, very concerning to me. And I, I don't know, the jury is still out with me on some of these issues. I don't know that, um, I don't know where I stand sometimes, and I don't like that. Um, because we're all control freaks, all those of us in recovery to a certain extent, right? And so not 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 no you know not having a handle on how i feel about something sometimes irritates me and so i i guess one of the ways to uh to deal with that is to talk about it so therefore this this topic so not long ago just say no was the famous rallying cry of america's drug abuse efforts as part of a larger national war on drugs these two slogans just say no and the war on drugs probably best uh, epitomized the U.S. government's approach to addiction and substance abuse in the 1980s and early 90s, a popular campaign to teach school-aged children about the dangers of drugs and how to just say no, accompanied an aggressive federal crackdown on the drug trade characterized by stiff criminal penalties for drug addicts. By the year 1994, this war on drugs was uh, incarcerating more than one million Americans each year, according to an article in the New England Journal of Medicine. These researchers cited an eightfold increase in the federal budget for the control of illicit drugs, with more than two-thirds of the total set aside for increasingly harsh criminal laws. Meanwhile, rates of illicit drug use continued to rise, prompting the Global Commission on Drug Policy to declare faithfully the war on drugs has failed. Well, we know that criminalizing addiction doesn't work. But has the pendulum swung too far in the other direction? And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, this, uh, this topic uh, really crossed my desk uh, when I read, or, yeah, I read this uh this article and uh, it speaks to a California law and that's why I'm really glad that, uh, that Roger's on the phone 
Uh, let me just read this to you. California bill would allow supervised <coughs> injection sites. This was posted June 3rd of 2021, this year. A proposed new law would allow for supervised injection sites in some California counties. Supporters say it would reduce drug overdoses, while critics say it would just normalize drug addiction. More than 81,000 people died of drug overdoses in the U.S. from June 2019 to May 2020, according to the provisional data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. That is the highest number ever recorded in a 12-month period. A proposed new law would allow for supervised injection sites in some California counties. Supporters say it would reduce drug overdoses, while critics say it would just normalize the drug addiction. Opponents of the proposal from all over the world spoke out in a virtual news conference on Wednesday. Quote, there is no safe way to inject illicit drugs into your system. Simple as that, said Chuck Deschutes, a retired police officer and president of the Drug Prevention Network in Canada. So far, the bill passed the Senate 21 to 11 with eight abstaining. The bill is expected to be heard in committee in the assembly within a couple of weeks. Okay, this is not new to Washington, the state of Washington. They have supervised injection sites now. Um, that it's very interesting to me because uh, one of the injection sites is downstairs and then the um, residential treatment program is upstairs. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, I, you know, I don't want to be one of these guys that says that everything is always about the money, but I think if we're honest, I think a lot of times it is. But, uh, Roger, let me start with you as a resident of Southern California. What's your take on this? I, I'm almost speechless, Monty, and I'm never speechless, but I, it's unconscionable <coughs> to me that, you, that you're going to have supervised illicit drug injection sites. I'm, I'm like what? Hmm. I mean, isn't the answer to um, treat and alleviate and uh, addiction as opposed to teach them or have a place where they can go and do addiction safely? Uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, it, it, it's like symptomatically looking at a global problem and, and treating a symptom but not solving the issue. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I think you hit the nail on the head, treating the symptom but not the issue. Right. It's, it, this isn't helping the drug addict. I mean, it, it's providing a safe way for him to stay an addict. That's not the answer. In, in the name of, well, well, at least we won't have as many overdoses. But, but, like, but, but let me let me read the, this statement from Steve P, who answered my survey on Facebook. He's from Houston, Texas. He makes a very interesting point. So when they say, well, at least we won't have so many people dying of overdoses if we supervise this, right? Uh, Steve said this was tried several decades ago in the UK. The idea was that if the addicts received their drug, they could maintain without using illegal drugs, and perhaps this would reduce crime and the addicts might become useful, productive members of society. Or at least they would not be such a destructive force in society. Attempting to stop the robberies and other crimes arising from addicts, finding ways and means to get and use more. The main problem that the authorities encountered is that they could not possibly anticipate 
the steadily increasing tolerance. The authorities refused to increase the dosage as the disease progressed, and the addicts had to get and use more. So there was no significant reduction in crime and no particular improvement in those who were being maintained. Recovery involves more than mere abstinence, but abstinence is essential to start the recovery process. Substituting one drug for another is not abstinence. So his point is, there's the addict is starting to build up a tolerance. They're going to need more and more and more. But the government-run program said, we're not going to give you more. We're only going to give you this much. And so then we're right back where we started, and they're breaking into buildings and cars and people's homes and, you know, running and gunning and everything else. And so it didn't work. Um, evidently, we don't learn our lesson. No, we do not. I'm, How's it working in Washington? In Washington State? Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not. The the homeless problem and the drug problem in Washington State is is incredibly high, higher than it's ever been. Uh, so I've I've heard the argument that um if we get them into the, the supervised injection site and at least we can keep them from dying long enough to get them into the treatment center that's upstairs. Otherwise, they may never enter the door of a treatment center, but this way at least they're getting in the first door. But what prevents... Sorry. Uh, what, pre what prevents those those guys who, who were questioning whether or not to be in the treatment center upstairs yeah. from going, you know what? No, the treatment center upstairs is not my deal and going straight to the basement. That's my argument. Like... Because they're certainly not strong-arming them to go upstairs. Right. right. What were you going to say, Roger? I was going to say that, you know, all of us are in the treatment uh, community and in, in recovery community, and, and we all know that, that addiction is a, is a symptom of a problem that's much deeper and much more spiritual. Yes. I mean, the bottom line is people need relationship with their creator, and when they don't, they're out of step. And they end up, many of us end up in addiction. And so supervising the problem is not the answer. Yeah. Supervising and making the problem okay and safe is not addressing the issue. No. I, I, <laughs> this just blows my mind. I mean, yeah. It, it won't work. Now, I'm all... I'm all for putting Narcan in your glove box in case you come up on an addict who is overdosing so you can get him alive and not, not die. Um, and we can address the issue of, it, uh, of the politics and all of that about Narcan in your glove box if you want to. But my, my thing is let's get the guy's life saved first and then we'll address these issues. Um, I'm all for that, but but that's to stop the heroin or the opiates from killing you. It's not putting more opiates in your body. I I, I just um, I I think it's there's crazy. a big I think there's a bigger picture going on here. I think there's an agenda here to tell you the truth. 
I, I think we've gone from keep it simple to keep them sick, and I think we want to keep people sick. I don't think this is about caring for the addict mm. at all. Well, they're not offering a solution. No. They're not addressing the problem. I think there may be some well-meaning people that just don't want to see people die, but I think they're being I think they're misguided. Um one one person said uh harm reduction is not enabling. Um well, let's look at the definition of harm reduction because this is considered a form of harm reduction according according to uh, the authors of this bill. This comes from the International Harm Reduction Association. These are the guys who defined harm reduction. This is from them. Definition. Harm reduction refers to policies, programs, and practices that aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social, and economic consequences of the use of illegal and legal psychoactive drugs without necessarily reducing drug consumption. Harm reduction benefits people who use drugs, their families, and the community. What? <laughs> I'm not even sure I understood that. It mm. sounds like oxymorons. Well, yeah. Capital letters. Well, let's unpack it for a minute. Harm reduction refers to policies, programs, and practices that, that do what? That aim primarily to reduce the adverse health, social, and economic consequences of the use of legal or, or illegal psychoactive drugs. Okay. If that was as simple as that, then I would say, well, so far that sounds good. But then it said, it continues to say, without necessarily reducing drug consumption. That doesn't even make sense. That's doesn't make any sense no. whatsoever. That isn't harm yeah. reduction. Mm-mm. And then it says it benefits people who use drugs, their families, and the community. How in the world... And by the way, who's paying for this? I'll tell you who's paying for this. We're paying for this. The taxpayers are paying for this. We are now thrust into being part of the enabling process. So the, so how does that affect the cost? I mean, it doesn't. It's just... Yeah. Well, you got to you got to pay the nurses, the right. supervisors. Right. So it's 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 no cheaper. You got to you got to pay for the drugs. If you're paying for the drug illegal drugs to be used, then you you're partnering with who? The cartel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're already you're already coming awful close to being actively involved in criminal behavior. Um Here's here's the International Harm Reduction Association's. Um, uh, this is what's listed under principles. The heading is principles. The harm reduction approach to drugs is based on a strong commitment to public health and human rights. <laughs> that says absolutely nothing about drug addiction. <laughs> oh. I, I I would say that their their stance and their principles. Yeah. Is it is it dealing with enabling? It's dealing with promotion. Wow. <laughs> Quite possible. Yeah. Yeah. Not, we're not talking about enabling here. We're talking about legalized cartel promotion. Yeah. Wow. 
<sighs> yeah. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff started with the needle exchange program. There wasn't any supervised injection sites. You, you were able to bring your dirty needles in and they would give you clean needles. And, and the, the whole thing there was just like the whole safe sex thing, right? Well, you're going to do it anyway, so let's provide you with clean needles. Let me tell you something. All right, I, and, and I, I can only speak for myself here and the hundreds of intravenous drug users that I associated with at the time of my active addiction. I had cases, cases of boxes of brand new syringes. And yet I would share needles with people because I didn't want to go down to my truck and get one because I wanted to do my dope right now. And everybody else in my circles that I, that I, they were the same way. So, so I'm sorry. I don't buy this thing. Well, if I, as long as I go get clean needles, you know, that's what I'll do. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't know any addicts that, that take the time to organize their day in such a way that they use responsibly. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Wow, that's a funny use, comment right there. Use responsibly. Oh yeah. man, yeah. Let's use or drink responsibly. Yeah. Well, that okay. I, I'm incapable of that. I'm an alcoholic addict. I'm using and drinking responsibly. I know I'm going to get a lot of kickback from this. I and, and because there are people that truly believe their life was saved by harm reduction, and maybe there, maybe they were. But I'm concerned. Where, where are they today? Yeah, I I, I don't mean, know. I mean, and I'm not going to say I, I. This is not the same as saying that people that are, um, that are involved in what we call MAT medically assisted treatment, right? I, I I'm not throwing them under the bus because I think I'm not a medical doctor, and and I think there are people that need medically assisted treatment. We definitely know. I mean, shoot, we, we kind of did it on our own back in the day. You know, the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, they would take some bath t- bathtub gin with them and throw it in their glove box when they'd go pick up a drunk, right? Because if they, he didn't get booze in him on the way to the hospital, he could die. Is that medically? Bill, is, Bill, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bill that's, Wilson gave Dr. Bob some gin before he had to go perform a surgery. Yeah. So we've been doing medically assisted treatment for a long time. It's not it, it's not a wise thing to go try and and help a drunk that is going into DTs and 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 say well we're you know uh, w- without some knowledge of what this can be. But I don't think it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it might be very similar helping some people detox from opiates using Suboxone. Um, but are we helping them wean off the Suboxone once they've detoxed from the opiates? In many cases, no. We're teaching them how to manage their Suboxone use and they're never getting clean. And I don't, th- I, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't think a person needs to be on Suboxone for the rest of their life. It, the purpose of it is to help you wean off of the opiates. Uh, 
and and so I think a treatment center worth its weight is going to help you and teach you how to wean off the Suboxone um, as well so you can live a clean life. But if a person is on Suboxone um, as part of their medically assisted treatment, I'm not going to be the guy that says they're not in recovery. I'm not going to be that guy. But I, I, I think that's a different animal than what we're talking about here. Mm. Um this is promoting, like Roger said, the continued use of the original substance. What Absolutely. do you think? You think there's a difference, Roger, between that and medically assisted treatment? I don't see any anything assisted treatment here. I see promotion. No, no, no. I mean, I, I mean, when we're when we're doing, yeah, with these guys, yeah. I don't see treatment treatment either. Um. So you you mentioned alcoholism. So let's talk about wet houses. So is this the first yeah, time? Yeah. yeah. Let's, give, let's give that what? a test drive. Have you guys heard of the what? I actually heard that. <laughs> yeah. Wet houses are popping up in a select number of cities across the nation. These residential facilities cater to the chronically alcoholic and homeless population. While there, they can eat, sleep, and drink as much as they want. What's more, the residents are not required to undergo any form of counseling or treatment. That being said, wow. it should come as no surprise to learn that a number of wet house residents ultimately drink themselves to death. Reports have indicated the cost of hosting one wet house resident is less than leaving a homeless alcoholic on the street where he or she places a heavy burden on social, legal, and medical services. Additionally, additionally a University of Washington study showed wet house residents tend to drink less and are more inclined to accept treatment once in a stable environment. The problem is that most wet house facilities don't offer rehabilitation options on site or require residents to participate in any kind of outpatient recovery program. Um, a major, now, now this is uh, supporters of the movement, a major pro wet house argument is that homeless alcoholics experience the highest number of physical injuries requiring emergency transportation and medical services from hospital emergency departments. The resulting bills are ultimately paid by the city taxpayers. That's you and I. To address that, a number of wet houses have medical professionals on site or nearby to treat the sick and injured. Supporters claim investing in wet house facilities can ultimately save millions of dollars. As proof, they refer to a study conducted by the San Francisco Health Department that determined the city spends $13.5 million each year in caring for its 225 chronic homeless alcoholics. Okay, that's the supporters. Now, the wet house controversy. On the other side of the fence, the notion of building shelters specifically for the purpose of ensuring a safe drinking environment is not sweepingly popular. Large segments of taxpaying citizens resent the idea of funding an initiative that would provide free alcohol, hand out regular stipends, and can be used to purchase whatever residents want, including alcohol or other drugs, or allow outside alcohol to be brought into the premises. Despite the backlash, a number of cities have doggingly pursued the wet house construction. For example, the San Francisco mayor is a huge supporter of the wet house movement. The mayor has been trying to sell San Francisco residents on the idea since 2010. But the plan, uh, the plan has yet to go over. In fact, the initiative is constantly slammed by critics, earning the nickname Bunks for Drunks. 
opponents also point out that elected officials would never support the idea of setting up shelters for homeless heroin addicts and handing out money or bundles of black tar heroin on a daily basis. Oh, wouldn't they? Sounds like they're already doing that. It's on the way. Seattle, Washington is home of one of the very first wet house facilities. The original residents, predominantly men, were selected from a list of 200 of the most frequent users of the public hospital, jail, and sobering center in Seattle. They also had to be unsuccessful in conventional recovery programs no less than six times. Today, the government-subsidized housing project centers exclusively... I'm excuse, excuse me, caters exclusively to 75 alcoholics who are allowed to drink as much as they want and forego any kind of treatment. Annual turnover is about 25% due to deaths, evictions, and people who are moved into hospice care, nursing homes, or other housing. Uh, insiders have dubbed the shelter a success, citing statistics that show a large increase in the volume of drinking. For example, Seattle wet house residents drank an average of 20, I love this, I love this, drank an average of 20 drinks per day on admission. But within two years, the number fell to 12 <laughs> drinks per day. 12 p- drinks per day. So they're doing so much better, right? Uh, oh conclusion, for all the milestones, the end result of most wet house re- residents is not a good one. While some have claimed the programs offer pre-recovery housing, there's absolutely no expectation that the residents will get or remain sober. Bob Hobson, executive director of Seattle's Wet House facility, admits the best hope for most residents is that they'll drink a little less. However, the likelihood that they'll stay sober is slim, given their history, age, and severity of alcoholism. There wow. you go. So th- both both these programs that you're that that, that you just addressed the right. the safe injection, injection sites side. and and the wet houses yeah for real okay to me that just sounds like all right let's just let's just give them a spot so they can just do what they're gonna do so they can die quicker because and it's like gather yeah. them up yeah. put them on an island yeah, like and, yeah. and 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 leave them to their own devices right in it, fact we're not gonna leave them there population we're help control them. like. And and we'll just make sure that that they do it here. That way, they're not in the public's eye. Uh, it's insanity. And, and, insanity. I, and, I, and I, don't, I don't see I don't see how this is going to cost any less on the taxpayers than. Uh, it's just I don't see the situation getting any better. No, that's you that's know. ridiculous. That's that's crazy. At my peak, I was doing a half gallon a day. And I kind of thought maybe it'd be nice if I could wean off to a fifth a day and then maybe down to a pint. That would have been a sweet way to exit. But I wouldn't have exited. It came down to the point where I had to be cold turkey or it wasn't ever. I wasn't ever going to get clear enough to get that figured out. You know, that might work for an alcohol abuser. Right. That's where I come from. Yeah, but an alcoholic... You you try to manage your drinking. Yeah, you just return to 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 drinking more. I mean, it's yeah. a proven fact. Yeah, you give me a pint, I'm looking for three more by the end of the day. You know, by noon, I'm out hunting more down, whether it's here at the wet house or wherever I have to go that, to get it. That scares me. That that really scares me. Yeah, that this is for real. Yeah, like oh it's, yeah, it's not getting better. No. 
this is feeding like you said whoever's funding it i don't care if it's government or whatever group that feels like they're doing somebody a favor they're not I, in I, the end yeah i don't want to be a part of that because i don't want i don't want to go to my creator when it's my time and then him say mm-hmm. really really yeah come on now i don't think so whoever, the behind the scenes of this these two situations is making money off yes addicts yeah. and alcoholics and having somebody in local and or federal and or state government support it this is a money grab you bet yes, it, it is. is exactly it's what it is. It's a money grab, and you can bet the cartels involved, and you can bet that illicit, uh, you know, behavior is being publicly taken care of, if you will, and making it quote unquote lawful. Yeah. While we're killing, while we're killing people, while we're killing people. Yes. That's the bottom line. And this administration hasn't addressed this once. No, nor do I expect them to. The mayor of San Francisco, it's one of the largest sanctuary cities in the country. Right. And the streets are overrun. San Francisco is a horrible city these days just because of what's going on there. Yeah. And this is one more step in the same direction. Bad decisions by ill-informed people who seem to have not healthy motives. Now, I am... I am relatively sure there are some people involved in this that think they're doing the right thing, but I don't think they're aware of the issue. I don't think they're aware at all, and they're just being told one thing. And you know, you're causing less harm. You know, there are people. There are people that simply didn't do narcotics or drink uh, before they were the age of twenty-one simply because it was illegal. We were we we raised we raised our children in this country at one point to obey and respect the law, and although we may have been curious, we we just didn't do certain things because we had a healthy respect for mom and dad or the law, you know. But we open up the floodgates and we legalize everything and and we normalize everything. There's no boundaries being set, and when my brain isn't even developed until I'm 25 or so, I'm a 13 year old kid or a 15 year old kid. I need the boundaries. Of, of healthy parenting. I mean, the job of a parent is to prepare the child for the real world, right? And, and, and how are we doing that with, with this kind of stuff? I just, um, I flabbergasted. And yeah. So maybe maybe Stephen Furtick, can, who claims to be God, maybe he's got some answers. Hmm. <laughs> I'm still, I am still aghast that I am God Almighty. Uh, Yeah. What? (laughs) Wow. (sighs) He he may be going to one of those free injection sites. Maybe. (laughs) Could be, huh? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we have... uh, I'm sure we've stirred the pot and maybe lost some listeners, and that's okay. Um, I just don't think it's a topic that this uh, radio program uh, can ignore. Um, send me your emails. Please feel free to, you know, to do that. Um, I'd like to get Ben Levinson on the show. He he is uh, 
the Ben Levinson uh, programs, and he's been very involved in Orange or Origins Recovery Centers over the years, and uh, there in South Padre Island. I mean, he's one of the, for years. He was the the main go to guy from Dr. Phil McGraw on, on the Dr. Phil Show uh, for addicts and alcoholics. Um, very involved in um, um, the. Um, Cape Cod Symposium on Addiction Disorders and uh, Evolution of Addiction Treatment, all those guys. Um, maybe he couldn't clear the air. Maybe I'll see if I can't scoop him up. And uh, he's been on the show before. It's been a lot of years, but <clears throat> I think... It would be great to hear someone from a, a, a medical treatment standpoint yeah. who's been in the industry for years speak to this because it's... It, it, it's it's not medically or clinically sound whatsoever. Yeah, and, 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 and if it is, somebody's going to have to convince me a lot harder than what I've been hearing so far. Um, I'm just not going to take a whole lot more to sell me on this one, that's for sure. I don't know if you ever could. Um, you know, let's let's solve the problem by creating more problem. That just makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, 81,230 overdose deaths between May 2019 and 2020. And yeah. 67% increase in positive fentanyl tests since March of 2020. Jeez. Drug addiction is out of control. Yeah. 38.4% overdose deaths were due to synthetic opioids. Hmm. Well, line up and get yours free on the taxpayer's oh, bill. Oh, my goodness. That's, that, that's what we were just talking about. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. And I don't know about, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd go to I'd go to some guy's house to get drugs, and he may give me some free drugs, Um, and I'm still looking for more. Yeah, you'll be back. Or, or coming back there. Yeah. I'm not going to just... Maybe I'm the Lone Ranger here. What about you guys? Are are you guys just going to be satisfied with going to the free site where there's supervision? Or when you're done and you're high, you're going to go out seeking some more somewhere else? Um, <laughs> Once, at least, for the day. Uh, yeah. I, did, did supervision or structure ever stop any of us from doing what never. we Never. <laughs> it didn't even never, slow me down, never. Roger. Hey, what, what, what was the old... Uh, the 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 oldest supervision line in the world. Well, just do it here at the house. At least we know you're safe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness! Yeah. As, we as, laughed at that. We said, "Yeah, mom and dad, we'll play that game." No yeah. Problem. I'm leaving the house and I'm getting more and I'm doing it with my buddy. Yeah. Right. We got a car parked around the corner here. Yeah. Trust me, we're off for beer. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. We'll start off here. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> is, this is where I'm gonna light my fuse. <laughs> Thanks for the case, but guess what? That ain't enough. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. There's your first. There's your oh, your first geez. safe supervised. Wow injection of oh, mind-controlling I... substances when mom and dad said at least if they do it at home we know they're safe yeah that's amazing i think we all had that yeah you know my yeah. folks said yeah, as long as you stay here you can drink all right i know i did i know i did yeah. i was i was G-man. very very i'd go to your house yeah man. i was very <laughs> young i was very young when my parents were like well as long as you do it here and only with us and right. i'd be like you betcha. And then I'd be, you know, around the I'd, corner. I'd right? go. To, I'd go down to the basement, 
pluck a couple off the plants and then go head out with my buddies. Sure. Trade them, you know, some some bud for some booze and then <clears throat> yeah. it, it was on. Yeah. It was on from there. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh Roger, what are we gonna do? <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get free from addiction. That's what we're gonna yeah, do. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Don't forget, listeners. Uh, if you got questions, and I'm probably thinking from this show, you will. <laughs> if you've got questions and you'd like to ask uh, our certified alcohol drug counselor, level two, Mr. Dave Fleming. Uh, on our show next Monday on Entitled to Overcome, please send them in before Sunday to take12radio at comcast.net, T-A-K-E, the number 12, radio at comcast.net, and we'll do our best to answer them. Um, you surely will get opinions, that's for sure. People say, I don't want opinions. Well, you're listening to the wrong show because we're very opinionated here. I have been I have been told I am the overly opinionated 12-stepologist, so uh, I'll wear that hat. Yeah, you betcha. That's why we love you. <laughs> well, listen. I'm sure that you'll be talking with Dave Fleming about these subjects of wet houses and well, he's, injection sites. I'd he, love to hear his comments. He's the one that, when I brought up this topic, he said, what about wet houses? And I was like, what's that? And he <laughs> sent me the link uh, right. to the um, addiction uh, American Addiction Center's um uh, you know, uh, description of what they were. And so we can give Dave Fleming uh, credit for that. Uh, yeah, so that'll be an interesting show. Uh, <laughs> wow. All righty. So um, about our closing song, uh, this song is all about love, right? And in all of this controversy, we cannot forget about the importance of loving each other. Therefore, our tagline here is... Recovery talk and positive music. So we like to feature the positive music of folks in recovery like you and I who just have an amazing talent for music. Well, one such individual is our friend, Mr. Tom Storms. Tom's love for music started early. As the youngest in a large family, he was exposed to a large variety of musical tastes of his older siblings and parents. Pop, jazz, folk, country, rock and roll, show tunes, classical, <laughs> you name it. Somebody in his home was listening to it. The music bug hit hard when Tom's older brother came home from college with a degree in playing guitar and singing the folk and country songs popular in the 1950s. At age nine, Tom got his first guitar and learned the first few chords from his brother. Well, the rest, as they say, is history. Here's Tom Storms with his new song, Can't Forget About Love.
For more of Tom's music and to learn more about this amazing artist, please visit his website at tomstormsmusic.com. All right. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with all of us here at Take 12 Recovery Radio and the Take 12 Recovery Radio family. We are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. This is a play. Kitty, 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 kitty. Meow, meow, meow. Woof, woof.